Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, all seven rounds in heaven's back. We're brought to you by the Armchair All-Americans as part of the Armchair Media Network. The draft grades continue to be handed out while the football world waits for the schedule. It is I, Rob Paul, aka what's Ch- oh Ma- uh, Mapletron. That's what they call Chase Claypool. Someone said that. I don't think it's true, but we're gonna roll with that. And joining me, as always, is AJ. Let's think of something clever. AJ, mm-hmm. the Packers know how to build a franchise, Marquise. Uh Amen, brother. Uh, and, like I already alluded to in this awful intro, we will be grading the AFC and NFC North tonight. The real divisions, as they call them back home. They're big boy football. Yeah, if you want to run the football and have big hand quarterbacks, come to the North. <laughs> Just ask the Packers. Okay, that's that. Let's let's just jump right in. Let's start. Uh, AFC North, alphabetical, Baltimore Ravens. Uh, we picked them. We both picked them as our number one draft class on our immediate draft recap show. Mm-hmm. Uh, a plus, Rob. I also gave them an A plus. I think them and Dallas are gonna be my only A pluses. Gonna have hey. quite a few A's though, but. Me too. Those are the only two A pluses I gave out. I'm just I'm just doing this as we go. I'm like, I might as well just do it week by or episode by episode. No no reading ahead for AJ. Never had that type of effort in my life. <laughs> I wrote multiple articles grading, so I just copied and pasted that and just repurposed <laughs> my content. So. Could have could have been one article though, but you, you pulled the old Walter football split it in half. Got split in half. Get double the clicks. That's how that works. Just riddled with ads. Not on your site, though, Rob. No. It's very clean, easy to read. You should go read it right now and just not listen to the podcast. Or, I don't know, I'd rather listen to something than read something. Why don't you read it and listen to it? That would give me a headache. Okay, Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Ozzie Newsom's gone, but Eric DaCosta doesn't care. He's still like following Ozzie's playbook. Mm-hmm. Um, combination of comp picks... Trades and just drafting Baltimore Ravens football players earns them this A plus. Yeah, and pretty much getting great value at every single selection and great fits and great fits. Yeah, so at the top, Patrick Queen ended up falling right into their laps. Uh, this was one that was getting heavily mocked, and that's just kind of perfect. Um, that was their best case scenario. Absolutely. Like if Queen was gone. I'm not really sure which direction they would have gone in, to be honest. Uh, I think they would have just they. It wouldn't have been a linebacker, but it would have been 
best defensive player available. That's how I think they would have attacked it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, yeah, but, I don't know. Like, go idea. Yeah. But with Queen, it, it obviously inside linebacker, off-ball inside linebacker is their biggest hole. They get it immediately addressed with maybe the... See, I, I, we both had him behind Kenneth Murray, but I think Queen has more upside than Kenneth Murray. And he he's just going to run wild behind this D-line. Yeah, like you said, it's just they kind of killed the fits the whole way the whole way through, and this is another one of those. Um, and then the the fit even got better because they got another linebacker to put beside him, which is just perfect. We'll get there in a bit. Yeah, I, I you know like I think Queen and Murray both have big upsides to be honest, but uh, I don't disagree with the Queen. I think Queen because, Queen because of the situation and uh, mm-hmm. the way he'll be deployed. I think he'll pay off sooner than Kenneth Murray. I agree. Like the, the Murray Murray's gonna be really interesting to watch in in LA. But yeah, no, I I feel the same way. Like this was a home run, um, just like, a, an easy one. He he'll, Queen will be a defensive rookie of the year contender, I think. Because if you look at look at the things um, he needs to work on, it's obviously instincts and just yep. co- coverage, but not in terms of like he doesn't have the athleticism to do it. In terms of just like instincts in coverage mm-hmm. and breeding the quarterback and just being more aware. But he's just, again, he's just gonna run free behind this D line. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think, like, maybe not having a true offseason, who knows what this is going to look like going forward, might just kind of hurt him his rookie year. But I definitely do agree that he's going to make major strides quickly in the NFL. Yeah, and then they come back, and obviously on offense, they're the best rushing attack in football thanks to... Luxury pick. Lamar Jackson. And, yeah, it almost felt like a luxury pick. Was running back a big need? No, but you could argue, like, getting someone... Mm-hmm. Uh, a young a young back behind Mark Ingram makes sense. And obviously, like, Gus the Bus is the bus. And they took Justice Hill the year before, but he didn't really show much as a rookie. So just taking J.K. Dobbins, who at the time was probably, I think, the best player on the board for me. And he's a perfect fit. He's a lot like Mark Ingram. Just yeah, in terms absolutely. of he's a bowling ball. Uh, he's got really underrated vision. And... Um, he, is he the greatest pass catcher in the world? No, but I think he's he's better than a lot of people give him credit for. Yeah, we've we talked about that a lot. Like you go back to the the playoff game where he had the the one tough drop and then the one bad drop. But you see, you flash it on tape that he makes more plays in the passing game than, like you said, gave him credit for. And also, like you said uh, on our on our recap show, uh, Melvin. Ooh, I almost said Melvin Ingram. Mark Ingram is better when he's got someone to split carries with. So. This is just a perfect situation for both of those guys. And like you said, Justin Justice Hill, maybe not the greatest rookie season, but uh, maybe a little more like getting him in the right spots this year with a deeper backfield. Yeah, I'm interested to see how this splits because I think pretty, uh, at least for the first bit of the, of like maybe the first quarter, this, like it'll still very much be Mark Ingram's backfield. Yeah. But I think we'll start to see more and more injection of J.K. Dobbins where maybe it goes from like a 60-40 to a 50-50. And mm-hmm. J.K. Dobbins is just going to – he's got more juice to rip off home runs than Mark Ingram. I think um, that, that'll that be kind of something he'll – he'll be kind of their spark plug. Gus the Boss will remain as, like, the big rotational power back. And just seeing if they can get Justice Hill involved is more as a pass catcher. 
This this rushing attack is just going to continue to be so scary. Like Ingram had five yards of carry last year, like, and that's all because of the attention Lamar Jackson brings. So like, yeah. Dobbins with Jackson is just going to be even more scary. Like, it just means Mark Ingram's going to have fresher legs. J.K. Dobbins yeah. going to have fresh legs. Lamar's going to have fresh legs. Yep. Um. All, what was he? Twenty nine last year. Did to, to average five yards per carry at that age, in the NFL. Uh, today that's pretty damn impressive, but yeah, that's that's all Lamar Jackson off the line though. And then in the third round, the Ravens classic build build their uh, team in these middle rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, they take Justin Matabuke seventy uh, first, and was it a massive need? No, but to get him into that rotation where he's a guy who's got so much athletic upside. Uh, and he just needs to develop his hands, play with better leverage. Yeah. Uh, and, and to have him kind of – I think the way we'll see it is he'll kind of spell Derek Wolf on passing downs. Mm-hmm. Like, in, in, in even fronts, I think you'll you'll see Clayus Campbell, Brandon Williams, Derek Wolf, and, and – or, sorry, in odd fronts. And then even fronts, I think, on passing downs, you, you might see Clayus Campbell and Matabuke on the inside. Or, sorry, you'll see uh, Matabuke and um, – I guess Derek Wolf on the inside, and then Cam- Campbell and Juden on the edge. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I, I think like that's a nice home for Matabuki to find, where like he doesn't have to do too much immediately. Um, I, he he was in the fifties on my board, so to get him at seventy one, that's just another nice value pick. And like you said, maybe not the biggest need, but I, I definitely think they needed like the, like it wasn't a massive need, but like to add a young um, upside guy on the on the defensive front there is i think it, it was something to address and they hit it big yeah to get that athleticism to pair with those vets i think that's awesome yeah and, and then they obviously receivers kind of the question they it didn't hit them too hard last year how mm-hmm. the the combination of just lack of talent and youth at receiver didn't hurt them too much because of the tight ends obviously they moved hayden hurst which kind of opens up some uh like a, a bit more of a need of pass catching with Mark Andrews. Um, they took Hollywood last year, and they get Devin DuVernay this year. So it's clear they want speed on in this receiver core. And DuVernay is a guy who does a lot of yak damage too, so I'm interested to see how they'll get him involved. Yeah, for sure. And, like, it feels like they have no one in between either. It's, like, it's big-bodied guys, whether at tight end or even, like, with Miles Boykin, or it's, like, pure speed guys, like with Hollywood and DuVernay. Um, and then you get- that's why we got a secret six-round sniper coming up. Yeah, baby. I forgot Jaleel Scott was on this roster, too. Yeah. Anyways. J- Jaleel Scott, like, 6'8". Jaleel Scott <laughs> should be playing shooting guard. That's true. And Wesley, too, our boy. Anyways, uh, so you definitely see what the, the, the idea is here. And then, yeah, like, like you said, the sniper later, the possession guy, baby. Um, it is going to be interesting to see how DuVernay fits. I, I think, like, long-term... See, I, I'm really high on DuVernay, but the fit is going to be interesting. I, I have no issues projecting him as a long-term slot yak guy. but Well, it, it's interesting because when you just look at the roster based on what it did last year and, and the talent they brought in this year, receiver is just kind of the one thing you worry about here. So, I, like, obviously Hollywood Brown needs to take a big step forward in year two, mm-hmm. and we saw flashes as a rookie, but they're going to need someone else to do that with him, whether it be Devin yeah. DuVernay, whether it be Miles Boykin. Maybe maybe Willie Sneed goes for a hundred receptions this year. Who really knows? And then obviously our boy uh, James Prochet. But 
Uh, and you alluded to them also going linebacker again with Malik Harrison and pairing him with Queen. I think that's like one of the coolest fits. They immediately address their inside linebacker problem with guy, guys who can trust each other really well. Yes. Um, Harrison, a bigger guy, a downhill thumper, but athletic enough to hold up in coverage. And Queen, more raw, pure athleticism. Uh, I, I don't know. I just think they complement each other quite well. Absolutely. And it's so Ravens that they – hey, that's a Raven. That they uh, they fix this inside linebacker position so quickly. Like, And, again, another just great value pick. I thought Malik Harrison should have been like a late second, early third round guy. To get him almost at pick 100 is terrific value. Mm-hmm. And like you said, that just a little bit of thunder and lightning back there in the middle, Rob. And, and you know what's funny is this team is was already so good, but so many of these picks have a chance to immediately make a contribution yes. because they fill a need and they fit so well. Yeah, like, and Qu- Queen that's so and hard Har- to do. Yeah, like Queen and Harrison. Queen's going to start day one. Harrison, I'm, I think, will probably be a starter at least by halfway through the year. Yeah. Duvernay's going to have, and Dobbins will have some type of role on this offense, and Matabuke will have some type of role on that defensive line. Yeah, that's that's super impressive that you, you got a team that went to the divisional round last year and was obviously one of the best teams in the NFL, uh, and to add five contributors. More, than, more than that, because they yeah. go guards back-to-back, uh, 106 and 143, and Terry Phillips and Ben Bredesen. One of those guys is going to be starting, I think. Yeah, no, for sure. If you I mean, like guards, their biggest was one of their biggest needs with Yonda retiring. Yonda, sure. yeah, Yonda retiring. Um, and, and so I think for those two starting guard spots, you're looking at a competition between Bradley Bozeman, Ben Bredesen, Tyree Phillips, and uh, Ben Powers. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And I think and again, one of these it, guys is going to come out the starter. I I would put my money on Tyree Phillips. See, uh, the funny thing is, like we've mentioned before, I was not very high on Tyree Phillips. I wouldn't have taken him here, but uh, as we mentioned, it's it's a great fit. He's he fits exactly what they want on the offensive line, and that's why I would put my money on him. Um, just just such a massive mauler. He's almost yeah. like he if you watch his tape at Mississippi State, he was left tackle last year, and it's almost reminiscent of um, Orlando Brown when he was at Oklahoma, where he's just so big and moving people around. Mm-hmm. But there's clearly some holes, partially because of the size. But I think kicking him inside makes so much sense. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, uh, getting Bredesen almost 40 picks later uh, almost makes up for the lack of value, in my opinion, with the Phillips pick because Bredesen is just a safe option. Yeah, but Bredesen and, and Ben Powers, like the year before, I think we're both yeah. safeguards who maybe yeah. they don't have super high ceilings. But, like, like I, I think ultimately Phillips and and Bredesen and up to starting guards, maybe not both as rookies, but down the road. Interesting. Uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how that shapes up. To be honest, I still like Ben Powers. I do too. Yeah. I but I had him lower than Bredesen, and yeah. I, I think I, I I did. I had him lower than Bredesen, higher than Phillips. If I just off the top of my head. And then in the fifth round, they go Broderick Washington, another rotational defensive lineman who can mm-hmm. uh, kind of play everything from five to the nose. Yeah. Did so at Texas Tech. Really uh, powerful player at the point of attack. Just kind of a workman, run-defending D-lineman. Love that fit. Yeah, this feels like they're just going to get a long-term uh, contributing backup. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like that pick. And then their, their final two picks, James Prochet uh, in the sixth round, Geno Stone in the seventh round. Prochet gives them that... 
Like I, I think there's a chance he's contributing right away before Duvernay. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe not. Like Duvernay will be have, have a specific role, but Prochet might end up with their starting slot. That's how high I am on him. Yeah, really, just like guy, guy that moves the sticks. Really clean route runner with arguably best hands in the class. And then Geno Stone at minimum is going to be a special teams terror. No idea how he falls this far. Uh, I think he could find a role because they do have opposite Earl Thomas uh, a need to find a starting safety. Yes. Also, it's still weird saying Earl Thomas is a Raven. But, yeah, uh, definitely. Um, Deshaun Elliott's going to have a job. Don't worry. Yeah, the Ravens collect safeties AJ loves. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, like it's really top to bottom. This is just a true A plus class. Yeah, like we 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 both see a way. Every single one of these guys is contributing in some form yeah. as a rookie. Yeah, no, for real. It's just kind of uh, like, scary to be honest. If I had to bet in um, whose draft class's entire class makes the team, it it'd be this one. I think that's a. That's a good bet. And that's it's so impressive that, again, this was one of the best teams in the NFL last year. Usually when you're – and, and it's, just, it's not like it's a four-pick draft or anything. No, it's a big class. It's uh, just to, – to even come away feeling like that at this point is just speaks volumes of how strong that class is. All right. To the team with the number one pick uh, in the cl- in the draft, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, would you give them? I uh, I went a little bit back and forth. I ended up giving them a, uh, an A. Me too. See, you know what? I kind of wanted to give them an A minus, but I'm like, this is an A class. First of all, they got Joe Burrow, which is I, I think I think the reason you could argue maybe a a lesser grade is because if you look at um, some of the guys they took when there might have been an offensive tackle, you prefer there. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, like I sure. think that's the argument, but at the same time, they filled a lot of needs with a lot of valuable picks. And good fits, and then also came away with the the best offensive player in the draft, the best quarterback in the class, best quarterback since Andrew Luck in my mind, and the the franchise changer. And I think that alone, like it, it's the same argument uh, that we have with the Dolphins and Tua, is yeah. like you come away with your guy, like that. It's hard not to give a, a, a team a good grade with that. Yeah, and like after Burrow, uh, I don't think any of these picks are bad. Like we moved to Higgins at thirty third. Uh, a guy I think both of us were a little lower on, and then uh, yeah, then like that big that, NFL media. That's the only pick I I didn't love. Yeah, no, I I, I agree because like the rest of the picks, I think they kind of killed him. But like this is this is fine. I do think he's it's gonna a good be a fit. good. Yeah, exactly. I think he's a good fit. Um, Doesn't have see, to play right away. Yeah, seeing his role early is gonna be kind of interesting. Um, I, but then obviously that goes with. AJ Green's health, um, and, and well, I, I think ultimately for that third wide receiver spot, it's a battle between him and John Ross, right? And Auden Tate for that matter, <laughs> and Auden Tate, yeah. Like really, this is a solid receiving core when everyone's healthy and if they live up to expectations. Stanley Morgan and Marcus Lodge, AJ. That's my guys. <laughs> I forgot about them on this team. Dude. That's five. Okay, this is the best receiving core in history, maybe. Yes. Uh, if you if you had to bet. Opening day, obviously Tyler Boyd in the slot, AJ Green yep. uh, out wide. If you had to bet, who's the third starting wide receiver on opening day? I think it's Higgins. Okay. Just right. just because like they picked him at thirty three, it's it feels like and like Ross has kind of been and, and they didn't pick up Ross's option. It, yeah, exactly, and you know these the story's been so weird. I I do think I I mean I'm still hoping Ross takes the 
takes that next step. But well, I, uh, I'm betting Demarcus Lodge, but it's fine. Smart pick. I do like I I I think Higgins is a, kind of a perfect target for Joe Burrow, and he's kind of one of those guys that's going to help him. Um transfer to the NFL. Like I, I think he's one of those like just perfect jump ball, throw it up there. Fits what Burrow does. Uh, I do think it's a good fit even though I wouldn't have taken him at 33. T Higgins' career of quarterbacks has been uh, pretty solid. Yeah, that's very true. Although I do ding him for wearing 85. Like come on, I know like the the Bengals were cool with it and Ocho Cinco loves them, but like come on, that number should be retired. He, I mean, for a team that doesn't have too many Exactly. Traits, it should be retired. I, I like, agree. Or or Demarcus Lodge should be wearing eighty five. I also think Ocho is going to be slept on the further we get from his career. Like I don't think people realize how fucking good he was for like a six seven year stretch. Yeah, it's just because it's Cincinnati, man. And like one of the best road runners, if like arguably the best road runner in NFL history. Yeah, TJ Hushmanzada is going to get slept on too. You know Stay he's low. coaching. He coaches prospects now. That's sick. I love Hush. That was I a. Hate that was him. a you should, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, and then they double down on linebacker in the third and fourth round with Logan Wilson from Wyoming and uh, Akeem Davis-Gaither from Appalachian State. And this is similar, in my mind, to kind of what the Ravens did with Queen mm-hmm. and um, Harrison, where it's just you get two linebackers who both check the box of athleticism. Yeah. Both, like, the linebacker was their biggest need. I think, ultimately, Logan Wilson ends up your starting Mike. Akeem Davis Gaither ends up your starting Will. Like, that yep. is impressive. Davis Gaither uh, is, he's got so much twitchy upside, such upside as a coverage guy. But Logan Wilson, I think the most underrated thing about him is he's, to the naked eye, you, you see Logan Wilson, you think this guy's a throwback thumper. Yeah. But, like, he hangs in coverage. Didn't, I th- didn't he have, like, 10 career interceptions, too? Yeah, like, he was very productive. Yeah, which is, I mean, uh, in the in a meh conference, but still, that's that's very impressive. And, yeah, I don't have issues with Logan Wilson in coverage. And with uh, Akeem Davis-Gaither, the athleticism, you know he's going to be solid. And, like, yeah, this is just another team that just, uh, like, linebacker probably was their most glaring hole on this roster, which is saying something because they were the worst team of football, obviously. And uh, they came out of the draft with – a fully rebuilt core there, and a, one that like is looks clearly promising. Logan Wilson in a fifty-five is pretty badass. I'm not. Yeah, he, he looks. He's gonna look really good there. I, I think he's gonna for be a number episode. Yeah, that's. I don't know. That's fifty-five. Logan Wilson. He's gonna look good in, in that in that cincy black and orange. And like Burrow on offense in that nine. Like, I don't know. This just feels like a new new Cincinnati. Yeah, new old Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the two thousand five Bengals again. And then fifth round, Cleed Cream, I think um, high floor yeah. rotational edge in an uh, edge group that he doesn't have to find a role right away. But I think you get a nice run defender there who definitely can spell Carlos Dunlap uh, and, and Sam Hubbard. and He's a at nice the, compliment as a rotation of Carl Lawson, too. Agreed. At the, at the very least, you're getting a really long... A uh, really strong uh, run defender, and at the best, he's got some uh, pass rush upside. I think at one forty-seven, this is a great pick. The Bengals do a really good job of restocking their D line every year. They, yeah, that's true, and they've been doing it for a long time. It's kind of they just don't get credit for it, <laughs> like because their team is shit. <laughs> they're gonna, they're gonna have 
Geno Atkins and DJ Reader, Sam Hubbard, and Carlos Dunlap as your starters. But you still, behind that, you have Carl Lawson as your situational pass for sure. You draft Renell Wren last year, my boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, Ryan Glasgow is a fine um, depth player. And then you sure. you end up with Cleet Green. It's a good it's a good group. Maybe yeah. not the flashiest, but it's a really strong group. Very solid. Uh, and then sixth round. I thought this was a like low key steal. Hakeem Adeniji from Kansas in the sixth. I, I thought he was gonna go higher than this. Like, I th- especially the way he tested. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing he didn't because he's gonna be a guard in the NFL because of the lack of length. Mm-hmm. But even still, like he's not like he was. I think he was 33 and three quarters arm length. So it's like mm-hmm. not like he's like belligerently short armed. Um. I wouldn't be surprised if he's starting some games as a rookie. Yeah, no, for sure. And on I, a at the very line? least, yeah, no. For like, again, I wouldn't want him to be, no. but I wouldn't be surprised if he is. And uh, like, at the very least, I think Adenji is going to be like a really good long-term swing tackle or like yes. pure guard or swing yeah. guard, swing everything. Yeah, the king swing, swing. swing a king. Um, you know what? But quickly going back to him, I had him like 150, and I thought like a lot of people had him higher than I did. So I was kind of shocked that he went 180 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I think he's under a guy. I think I had him right around where you did too, like 150 ish. Um, yeah, he is under underrated. I agree. Like the especially when you look at their O line, the only one I'm confident is starting. I mean, they tri- they paid Trey Hopkins, so probably him and Jonah Williams. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, it's a it's a weird group. Lots of Ohio State players that aren't good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds right. Yeah, but I weirdly, guys, I, I liked coming out, so I'm stupid. Yeah, uh, we know. And then Marcus Bailey in the seventh to get a third linebacker potential uh, steal because the injury really forced him down the board. I think I think he wouldn't have gotten out of the fourth round if he was healthy. Uh, he's got like easily fourth round tape. Yeah, like the question is overall athleticism. Yes. And can he play in today's NFL? And the the injuries obviously don't help, and especially with COVID and everything, like teams not getting him in. Um, yep. But like, I think him and Jermaine Pratt. Like, I like Marcus Bailey a little more than I think I like Jermaine Pratt, and I think they're competing for that Sam job. Yeah, no, for sure. But regardless, those are four guys that I think long term you're feeling pretty decent about. Yeah, injection of youth and talent in the linebacker core all of a sudden, and they. Cincinnati clearly, like, I do, like, maybe I wouldn't have spent the money where they spent it, but they clearly want to get better for the first time in a while. The way <laughs> they spent on, uh, in free agency, that wasn't character, like, that. that's not something Mike Brown generally does. Like, they paid DJ yeah. Reader, they paid um, Vaughn Bell, they paid Mac Alexander, they paid Trey Waynes. Like, I'm not saying these are, like, the smartest things in the world, but, like, they're clearly making an effort. I think it was a combination of that they see the opportunity to kind of uh, get back into the good graces with Joe Burrow coming in. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I'm for the first time in a while. Like I'm excited to see the Cincinnati team, and it's like obviously it's because of Joe Burrow, but it's not even like Joe Mixon is one of the most underrated backs. I'm excited to see if like we get a healthy Rodney Anderson, um, and to, and to yeah. see some of this this new defensive talent. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, like last year, I was I was like interested in them because I didn't know what Zach Taylor's team was going to look like. But, he had like the least memorable rookie head coaching season of all time. Yeah, pretty pretty much. Like it was bad, but like it f- never felt like it was totally his fault or anything. So it's like you didn't even yeah. think about blaming him. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, okay, the Cleveland Browns, who uh, also had a good draft, all of a sudden. Yeah, uh, it's, it's come almost like the New York teams. Was last time both uh, 
Ohio teams had a great draft. Yeah, Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski have a plan, and they executed it both through free agency and the draft. Uh, what'd you give them? I give them an A. I gave them an A too. I struggled. I kind of wanted to give them both A minuses, but th- between Cincy and Cleveland, and at the end of the day, I'm like, fuck it. They both deserve their A's, Rob. Yeah. Um. First, first round, they get the tackle they need in Jedrick Wills, who probably starts at left tackle day one for them. Yeah. Opposite Jack Conklin at right tackle. Perfect scheme fit for Stavansky's uh, zone run scheme. Um, just a massive mauling man with ma- powerful hands and that that edge you love in a, yes. in a hog molly. And I just think this is in Jack's – him and Jack Conklin changed the way this offensive line kind of played. And, and obviously you have – like it's nice like Joel Batonio is a Pro Bowl guard already in there. Mm-hmm. Um and J.C. Treader's a fine starter. Like, all of a sudden, this offensive line is looking really, uh, really ready to roll. Very much so. Uh, throw if you want to throw more cliches at Jerry Rills, glass eater, yes. uh, dancing bear. Kind of, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely to come away with him at number ten. Uh, I, I didn't think they were going to be able to, and I, I love that they did. Yeah, my favorite tackle in this class, and I think that's a money pick and. All of a sudden, Baker Mayfield better put up or shut up because <laughs> they've really invested in this offensive line for him, and this coaching staff in front office seem to have a real plan. Yeah, and like, there's clearly a supporting uh, cast around him. Yeah, and then the second round for the second straight year, they take an LSU defender who falls because of missed tackles, and uh, <laughs> Grant Delpit should be starting at safety opening day. Fills a huge need for them. Has tons of upside. Um, I think the best pure cover safety in the class. This secondary has like weird. so much upside. It, yeah. It's weird. It's gonna be fun. I want to see who the other stars are because obviously you, in marker you, you have Denzel Ward, Gree Williams, and Grant Elpit. But seeing who the other starting safety is, seeing who's the starting nickel, I think it's really interesting. Uh, I wonder if Carl Joseph comes in and steals a job. You know my boy Shedrick, well, Red Wine's going to have a job. I love Red Wine. I hope he, he, he gets a game I like there. him as a big nickel, though. Me too, yeah. No, I thought that last year. Oh, my boy um, Kevin Johnson's there too, eh? Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> that, no, for sure. I mean, those three guys, you're, you're, you're pinning them in. But other and than that. Delpit, just injecting that type of um, coverage versatility into a secondary that really needs it. Like, you, you could play, play him single high. You could play him as a big nickel. You can match him up one-on-one with tight ends. You can play him too deep. If he can clean up the tackling, he's got Pro Bowl potential all day. Maybe it wasn't the injury this year. He just missed Greedy. Ooh, good point. Yeah. Uh, And then 88, they got Jordan Elliott. Um, Not a big need, but gives them uh, a player who's very much worth that value. Yep. And can help that rotation immediately. See, like I, I almost feel like... If you're getting an interior defensive lineman, or even an edge for that matter, uh, and it's not the biggest need, but like you're you're either stealing them or you're getting them right in the right value, uh, just pull the fucking trigger on it. Yeah, no, I agree. These that, guys, that's the Howie Roseman rule. Yeah, no, yeah, very much so. And I mean, like the interior of their defensive line, it was clearly fine without him, but um, just getting him in that rotation and letting him shoot the gap and go after it, and he, like you got the that upside there with Elliott. I like this pick. Me too. Um, I want him to put on weight and just be a space eater because I like him. Uh, I, I think he's at his best in that type of – as a run defender. I, I think he needs to um, work on 
his pass rush plan and using his hands as a pass rusher. But he, he was one of the more interesting evaluations this year, and it was kind of uh, under talked about. Yeah, no, I think that's why you saw such discrepancies in where people had him. Yeah, there's a big media. There's a lot of big fans of Jordan Elliott. Yeah, and then with their other third round pick, they took LSU's other linebacker Jacob Phillips. Kind of a surprise he ended up going this high, yeah. but I think he he was slept on to some extent. Um, really athletic guy who he was playing over P- Patrick Queen at LSU. Mm-hmm. Uh, has nice length, um, explosive downhill, uh, clean tackler. Um, the questions similar to Queen come with his just awareness in coverage and his instincts to diagnose. Yeah, I'm like I'm surprised he went top 100. Their um, linebacker core is really weird, though. Yeah, like the only one I trust is Mac Wilson. To be and honest. like he went in the fifth round last year, and then yeah. like way outplayed his draft slot. Yeah, which I mean, hey, we could have told you, but whatever. I. Uh, I don't think Tacky Tacky's going to be starting, so I think it, it's going to end up being Mac Wilson, Jacob Phillips. Probably. That Tacky Tacky pick was... Uh... B, actually, BJ Goodson probably the week one starter at Mike. No, that makes sense. I, I still don't understand the Tacky 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 pick, Tacky, especially because now the new front office is in, like, uh, what are the odds Tacky Tacky is playing meaningful snaps by year three? Uh, what are the odds he's a Brown this time next year? I'm sorry. I mean to Tacky Tacky. Because they flipped him for a first. Yeah, baby. Okay, in the fourth round, they uh, after after signing Austin Hooper to pair with um, David Njoku, they they go and they draft Harrison Bryant. I think we've talked we talked about it uh, before, where we just think this gives you depth for both guys. Mm-hmm. Bryant can play in line; he's a good effort blocker. He can also be a jumbo slot type like Njoku. Uh, he's more athletic than the testing shows. Yes, um, he he's kind of the only guy who gave. Uh, Ohio State hell last year uh, yep. until meaningful games came around. Um, I really, really like that fit. I think that's money. It's it's interesting. It's like, like obviously tight end wasn't the biggest need to so to spend a fourth on it. It's like eh, but seeing where the other tight ends in this class went, and then uh-uh. you factor in how important the two tight end thing is for Stefanski. Yeah. yeah, and the fact that he could provide depth at either spot. I think that's what gives the the value. No, yeah, for sure. And and again, at one fifteen compared to these other tens, I think he's very worth that pick. And then, um, maybe we see him in the in the slot a bit too. That's what I mean. Like they they don't have a clear third receiver, right? No, they don't. Um. Oh, sorry. No offense, Damian Ratley. <laughs> oh, they have Jamarcus Bradley. Oh yeah, that's sick. He's gonna win the job. Uh, and then fifth round, Nick Harris from Washington. Great value here. Um, yeah. Really perfect scheme fit. Like he needs to be his own run blocking center. That's his short area quickness, his ability to work to the second level. That's money uh, in the Stefanski Shanny system. And uh, I love that he doesn't have to start exactly. Like really. he he needs to get much stronger and improve his anchor and pass protection. And just getting to sit behind JC Treader, I think that's great. Yep, agreed. And then the value you get with Donovan, their final pick in the sixth round, Donovan Peoples Jones, for the overall talent. Like this is this is great. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being the third receiver just because of the overall athleticism and talent there. It never came together at Michigan. We saw flashes, and at, mm-hmm. at at the very least, I think he's your starting return man. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm still shocked that he fell this far. I thought he'd get overdrafted. Me too. We we talked about that a lot in the pre-draft process. Um, 
Like I think we, I had him like the third round. Um, yeah, I had him like ninety something on my board. Yeah, I think he was in the nineties for me too. But and I thought he was going to go higher than that, and I'm still kind of shocked that he fell all the way to the sixth. Yeah, Adam, Adam, ninety one. Um. So yeah, but yeah, I think he's the third most talented wide receiver on this team. Yeah, and the best return man. Yeah, no, he's he's like locked into the return job. I think right. I think that's that was probably part of why they took him there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's a that's a great pick. Again, also, he's ranked number eleven, which is great. Yeah, I think that's that's a good that's a good number. Um, again, I'm shocked that both Cleveland and Cincinnati uh, kind of killed this class, this draft. It's nice to see new teams drafting well. It is, yeah. Um, let's go to an old team that usually drafts well, Rob. And they did because they got Mapletron, the Pittsburgh Steelers, my Steelers. No first round pick because they got Minka Fitzpatrick already an A plus. Um, yeah. Yep. I gave them a B. I gave them a B minus. I think uh, outside of one pick, really strong fit group, like in terms of how yep. they fit. Um, yep. And I think potentially three key contributors right away and some special let's, team let's, talent. Let's start with Mapletron. <laughs> okay. Where do you see him fitting in early with the Steelers? Uh, I think situationally he'll have a role as – um, kind of like the oh he's wearing number eleven hell yeah oh uh, sorry um I think situationally he'll like he'll have uh he'll be in the rotation like I think Juju and Deontay Johnson are clearly locked into two of the three spots I think yeah. him he'll he'll have uh it'll be him James Washington uh Deion Kane and Ryan Switzer kind of in that other like rotationary spot but I yep. think. Now, I might be a little higher on Chase Claypool than some people, um, but I do think he's exactly what this offense needs in terms of they haven't had a consistent big receiver since Plaxico Burris. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and Claypool's athleticism to both stretch the field and win contested catches with his uh, with his body control and physicality, like I think Roethlisberger gonna love him. Think about the way yeah. Roethlisberger would love love um, big tight ends like Heath yeah. Miller and like when Vince McDonald's healthy. Uh, so to get that type of body, but with this type of athleticism and Roethlisberger still a gunslinger, slinging it downfield and giving him contested catch scenarios, I just. I know it was really rich to take him at 49 for a lot of people, and I, I had him 80s in my board, but I still, like, I think he has so much upside, and, and also, I think a big part of it is his his football toughness and his such willingness to play special teams. I think that's something the Steelers really value. I I agree, Rob. I, I'll say two things. Um, I fully agree that it feels like the perfect target to get an aging Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, like you said, still a gunslinger, but a bigger body that can get downfield and make those contested catches. And two, uh, you got to trust the Pittsburgh Steelers when they draft wide receivers. Also, this move allows them to put Juju back in the slot, which is where mm-hmm. he's clearly at his best. Yes. If you play Claypool as your ax, Deontay Johnson as your Z, and Juju Smith-Schuster in the slot, I think that's pretty great. James Washington, I, I mean, there was flashes last year, and there's been flashes, but... Yep. Like, he was supposed to be, like, their big play guy, and I think Chase Claypool's combination of size and athleticism are a much better fit for that. Yeah, agreed. Um, so, yeah, it was too rich for me, but, again, I trust the Steelers. I, I like the fit, too. So and Then the third round, they uh, address Edge with Bud Dupree playing on the franchise tag this year, uh, and they take Alex Smith from – or Alex Smith. Alex Highsmith from <laughs> Charlotte. I like and this pick. I think 
in terms of the edge talent available, this was a safe pick. Yeah, uh, a guy who tested pretty well. Um, yep. was ultra productive at Charlotte. Uh, I, I I think really high effort guy, high character yep. guy with improving hands and um, won't have to play right away either. I I think he fits the Steelers really well. Yeah. Also, we're number fifty six. Like that's a pretty good number. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I, I so like I had him like the one twenty. So like at one hundred two for like for a team that's like got a really nice fit here. I like the pick. Yeah, and like like I said, he's not gonna have to play. I don't think he'll have much of a role as a rookie with um Watt and Bud Dupree there. But uh, I think it'll be kind of a preparation thing for when Bud yep. Dupree gets a stupid amount of money next off season. <laughs> yeah. And then fourth round, this is my least favorite pick, uh, Anthony McFarland, the running back from Maryland. I just don't – like, I I was all for waiting on running back to the fourth round, but this wasn't the guy I was taking. Um, he – I don't think he's – like, he, he's at his best as a zone scheme runner. They're more power. Uh, yeah. Not a great pass catcher. Like, James Connors a better pass catcher than him. Like, I get that the thought process here is to provide some juice to the running game, but – I don't know. I just I, I wasn't a big Anthony McFarland fan in general. I agree with everything you said. Um, and uh, they still got Kareth White. <laughs> yeah, my boy. It was like I don't know, like the same shit. I they draft such weird running backs, and I uh, I don't enjoy it up. Yeah, and now like like I don't. Jalen Samuel's gonna make this team. Probably not. They just they haven't used them. They right. can't they can't keep so many running backs. So like I'll come like I didn't like the James Conner pick I was clearly wrong, um, I hated the Benny Snell pick I'm probably right, <laughs> the Samuels pick I like I was like up and down but they just haven't used him correctly like it's, he's also just not being good when he's on the field yeah no, exactly and I I, I I feel the same way you do I don't like this Anthony McFarland pick um, I don't hate the player but yeah the fit's kind of weird um, was too early for me as well. Um, but yeah, hey, the next pick's good. So yeah, it's my favorite pick, Kevin Dotson in the fourth round, uh, the most underrated offensive lineman in the class. I had him as a top one hundred player. I think he's a uh, a perfect run mulling guard, stick him at left guard, replace Ramon Foster who retired. Yeah, and like maybe not year one, but year two, I think he's their starting left guard. He was also top one hundred for me as well. And yeah, exactly to, to replace Foster. Uh, he's, he just kind of screams Pittsburgh Steelers into your offensive line. He's wearing number 69, too. So Okay, well, that's perfect. He'll, he'll be there for a decade. Congrats. And then the final two picks I thought were nice depth plays. Antoine Brooks, yep. um, I think he he might even be better off at moving a linebacker because that's basically what he played at Maryland. But at the end mm-hmm. of the day, you get a special teams type star there, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think he makes this roster over a guy like Marcus Allen. Um and just ultimate physical guy. And then Carlos Davis, you're betting on that up, up athletic upside to develop him as a – he can play nose or he can play five tech. No, I, th- I I agree. I think they did well with both of those two picks. All right, you want to jump to the NFC North? Let's do it. Start with Chicago Bears. The Bears, I give them a C plus. Didn't love it. Uh, I like – like, I, I, I have one major issue that led me to the C plus, I guess. I, I also give them a C plus. It's funny because, like, I like – some of the players they took. And also, it's just yeah. a small class. They didn't have a lot of capital at all. I so. think the issue is when you don't have a first-round pick and you're the Bears and you're in the situation where this could be Nagy and Pace's last ride, yeah. you should swing for the fences if you don't have a, a first-round pick and you got two seconds. 
You should. That's what they did. Sw- with you Cole should Komet. swing for the fences with that forty-third pick, and you just take a guy who I think is just going to be like a middle of the pack starting tight end, and <laughs> like you've got a ridiculous amount of tight ends. They have and, ten tight ends, and you sign Jimmy Graham, and I get that the thought process here is probably use Komet in line and Jimmy Graham as your offensive weapon, like he's still twenty-seven, and like. I don't know, like, good thing you drafted Adam Shaheen 45th, like, two years ago. <laughs> and I just, I don't love, I, I don't love, well, first of all, I wouldn't have taken him till the third round. I yeah. don't think there's a lot of upside with the pick. I think he's going to be a fine starting time, like a Kyle Rudolph type, but I don't know. That kind of really drags this class down for me. I think I like Cole Komet, the player, a bit more than you do, uh, but I dislike the pick as much as you do. And I, I totally agree. The, the Adam Shaheen pick, I know it shouldn't, but it makes this pick worse. It makes both picks worse. Um, and then it's paying Jimmy Graham. It's just like, it's a, it's kind of a mess there. I, I do think Komet's the, like the best player right now of those three, but like, I, I totally agree. To, to, to take a minimal impact player uh, 43rd and you don't have a first round pick, it just When, when so... it's like Nagy and Pace are probably on their last legs too. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. There's a, there's a, I don't like this pick at all. Like, even if he's, if he's there for a long time, it's just like feels so small. Luckily, no with offense. their with their second second round pick, it addressed a need with uh, uh, another guy who not like super high upside, but a safe pick. But this is so much more justifiable because corner is so much more important than a tight end. And um, it gives them it gives them a guy who I think plugs right in opposite Kyle Fuller. Yeah, this is a good pick. Like, uh, I mean, we heard Jalen Johnson going as high as like what twenty or whatever. Uh, the Bears ended up snagging him at fifty. It was a need. It's a great fit. Uh, this is this is the, the the pick of the class here. Um, I, I think this one's great, but <laughs> the Komet pick is just so brutal. Yeah, like if they took a big swing on a super high upside guy at forty three at not the tight end position. This class would look a lot better pairing whoever that might have been with Jalen Johnson. Yeah, exactly. Because, like you said, a safe guy, and I think he's gonna be a long-term solid starter. Like, should have taken Jalen Hurts. I would. That the thought crossed my mind, and that probably would have like they could have sold ownership on like, okay, this is our guy to develop. Obviously, we're not picking Trubisky's fifth-year option up. Blah blah blah. That just would have saved their ass a little more, and like, it would have made more sense to be honest. Uh. The rest of the way, like, it's... There's three fifth-round picks. I kind of liked all of them. Like, Travis Gibson's a solid run-defending developmental edge. Kendall Vilder's a developmental nickel. And Darnell Mooney's, like, kind of that fourth receiver in that Taylor Gabriel role who can who, who yeah. can be gadgety. Yeah, I like all three of those picks a lot, to be honest. And, like, for a team that, again, that didn't pick between 50 and, what, 155, they did pretty good in that range. Uh, it's just, like... I don't know how much are those guys contributing early on uh, this team though. Like exactly. maybe Vilder, maybe, maybe, yeah. Uh, again, I I do like all three players, and I think they're good picks. But for this team, for like like, like the only said, person Maggie, in this entire class who's making any impact towards them winning more football games is Jalen Johnson. I fully agree. Yeah. And again, like I wouldn't be surprised to see them picking top five next year and Pace Nagy being gone. Yeah, and uh, hopefully getting a quarterback. And then with their final two picks, back-to-back in the seventh, they took two developmental offensive linemen, Arlington Hambright and Lachavius Simmons. Uh, bangers of names, but I don't see either of these guys being the team. Um, both probably practice squad guys, though. 
Yeah, very cool. Maybe I drop this down to a C flat. Ooh. I'll stick with C plus though. I don't See know. the Jalen Johnson pick, and then just my liking of Gibson, Vilder, Mooney game. Let me deal with the C plus. Okay, yeah. on to the Detroit Lions. A little more exciting. Uh, who had the third pick, didn't trade out, and ended up with the best corner in the class and a blue chip player. And, and Jeff Okuda, it wasn't the most exciting pick because I think we all saw it coming, but yeah. it was the right pick. Um, obviously, they moved Darius Slay. Okuda comes in as their corner one. So, like, it's like, obviously, it's a great pick because Jeff Okuda is very worth the third overall pick in this class. Uh, but, like you said, it, it's not as exciting because one, we saw it coming, and two, it's like you move Slay and you just bring him in, so it's like a, I know. It, does it's it a really net move. Make you better? No, it doesn't. Like down the road, yeah, I think Okuda can be better than Darius Slay, yes. but uh, right now it doesn't. And again, this is another uh, team that the the front office and the coach are on their last legs there. Yes. Oh, maybe we don't even know if that's for sure. I mean, they should be. Sorry, yes. I should I should say they should be. Yeah. Uh, they clearly invest in defense this off season. Um, through free agency and with this pick and uh i don't know Je- like fuck i hope jeff okuda isn't stuck in a shitty detroit situation for the next 10 years he might be yeah but second round this was surprising too like because i love deandre swift you love deandre swift we think well first of all we don't think you draft running back in the first round but i deandre swift's very talented that way if you can get him in the second round i can live with that a little bit yeah i, I do think he's worth a 35th overall pick uh, it it kind of makes me sad though. I don't want him to be a Detroit Lion. Me neither, and it's just a bad look that like they carry on. Yeah, t- t- uh, in in uh, two of the last three drafts, they've drafted running backs top uh, top fifty. Yeah, that's uh, that's not good. That's not good, and like I just feel like they're not going to use him in the passing game very well. No, um, but at like the same just... time, maybe. Part of the reason they take him is because of how talented he is as a space player in the passing game. And, and Matt Patricia views him as the James White plus, because what he can do as an actual on-the-ground runner, to Kyrion Johnson and Sonny Michelle. Like, come on, Hopefully. stay positive. That's I think that's best-case scenario. It is. I, I Again, we I totally agree. I love DeAndre Swift. I just kind of upset to see him in Honolulu Blue. But, I, yeah, hopefully it all works out for uh, for both parties here. And then uh, two third-round picks, Julian Acquire, the edge from Notre Dame, and Jonah Jackson, the guy from Ohio State. I think I think Jonah Jackson's starting week one. I love yep. that pick. And uh, I think Acquire is going to at least be a rotational pass rusher. Yeah, I'm fine. Like, I, I was a little lower on Acquire, but I'm fine with the pick here. Um, and, yeah, like, uh, that offensive line is kind of weird. So, I, like, I not to jump ahead, but they got Stanberg, too. So, getting Jackson and Stanberg, I kind of love adding – both of them to this offensive line and they clearly did need help in the interior there um i don't know it's just like this like it's not a bad class it's just kind of like it's, underwhelming it, yeah but but like yeah i don't know i think it, it it's very dependent on how they're used and i don't i guess i don't trust the lines to maybe put everybody in the right role but like a quora for example if he's a situational pass rusher yeah. Um. Like, I think that's really interesting. If your if your four man front has like Trey Flowers, Deshaun Hand, uh, Julian Aquara, Romeo Aquara, and I guess Nick Williams on passing downs. It's, it's kind of weird. Um. It's yeah. Kind of I weird. mean, <laughs> they also said something about like Austin Bryant playing more this year. So no, did they? That's yeah. that's pretty funny. And then uh, let's get to the back half of this class. Right? Wait, wait, just let me say this before we do. 
I think Jonah Jackson and Stenberg, it's almost similar to Baltimore with uh, Phillips mm-hmm. and um, Bredesen, where Bredesen. it's like guards such a hole that both these guys could be starting games at some point this year. Yeah, for like, like their their, their guard group is weird. It's like like Odea Bouche who started in Seattle and where Houston. Oh, Bo, oh, Bo Benchell. Like it's Joe Dahl who had fans. Like, like it's I, a weird group. I think Jonah Jackson starts uh, immediately. And, and I wouldn't Stanford be surprised. Eventually. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Okay, and then the fifth round, they get Quintez Zephas. I thought it was a good pick because his tape is like quite good for a guy who tested so poorly. So he, I did, he definitely looks better than his testing. Yeah, and he's not gonna have to like play right away. I don't know. I thought that was kind of an interesting one. And yeah. then J- I mean, drafting Jason Huntley. I mean, that gives you an A. <laughs> but they're gonna use him wrong. He's their Danny Woodhead. And they, they, um, they have what's so his many running backs. Ty Johnson yeah. and Bo Scarborough. Yeah, well, and and my boy Wes Hills. The, but the sucky thing is, like, they even have Agnew to return to right now. So, like, is Huntley even going to plug in right there, right away? I think Huntley's supposed to be the theoretic replacement. Maybe if we're lucky, I don't know. That's a good question. And then but- <laughs> John Passini and, and Jay Sean Cornell were both interior defensive line depth plays. Exciting picks. Yeah, like I don't know. I guess they took, like you said, they they took guys we like. It just we don't. Is it just because we don't like this team that we just don't like this draft? I don't know. I also just it's hard to like just the way that the roster is compiled. Like I like we love DeAndre Swift and Jason Huntley, but like why are they spending capital on running backs when they like they draft Ty Johnson last year to be what I think Jason Huntley's supposed to be. They yeah. draft Kyrion Johnson two years ago. Like they're playing Bo Scarborough so much. It's just I don't know. It's just a weird. They they kind of build themselves like it's football from twenty years ago. What uh, what grade did you give them? I give them a B. Give them a B minus. Yeah, yeah. I, the fit. I think like if you were to grade it based off fit and then versus just player value, like their fit grade would be worse. Yeah, and also I'm lower on Cephas I think than you are. So kind of. Yeah. Gives them negative there. Yeah, Speaking so, of negatives, Rob. The Green Bay Packers. The lowest uh, grade I gave any team the entire draft. And I think that's pretty much everybody in the world. Yeah, they clearly had the worst uh, class. All right, Jordan Love at 26. They traded Wait, up Wait, what did you give which, them? Oh, I gave them a D plus. Oh, okay, I gave them just a D. <laughs> okay, so I tried to save my ass because if Jordan Love pans out, then we're going to look. Like, okay, even is if, that the, no, that's not even my biggest issue. No, I know, but like it, it's funny though. Like if you if you look back at all the people giving them F's, D's, whatever the fuck, people in the future are gonna be like, oh, they got Jordan Love, so it's an A class, which is not because the rest of this group is not good. Like even if yeah. he, if he pans out, I just don't get the process of we're in a Super Bowl mode yeah. now. We just came off an NFC Championship loss. We clearly have a need at receiver. This this draft is loaded. Let's get our Hall of Fame quarterback that receiver, but instead they trade up and they draft his replacement, who is gonna like Aaron Rodgers. Sure, he's not MVP Aaron Rodgers, but he's very much still Pro Bowl Aaron Rodgers, and it's just like for this pick to make sense, Jordan Love's gonna have to be the starter in two, three years. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers not finishing his career as a Packer. Aaron Rodgers can be starting for like. I don't know the Patriots in three years. The Bears, the Bears for his ultimate revenge tour. <laughs> he fuck, he might be. Um, so like outside of the the player Jordan Lovitz himself, 
it's just everything surrounding this pick is bad. You, you throw in the rest yes. of the class, it's bad. You throw in setting a time clock on a Hall of Fame quarterback, it's bad. Um, you, throw, you throw in trading up for him, too. It's not like you're like, okay, he's the best player on the board. Let's sit and pick. You go pick 136 as well, fourth round pick. That's bad. Um, so it's just like all everything surrounding it is bad. And Four. so even if he... Go ahead, yeah. Uh, I was going to be devil's advocate. Jordan Love fell into a good situation for himself. Yeah, no, it's true. It's like, I'm not even like talking about Jordan Love the player. It's just like... Yeah, like, because cause, like, I had Love 28th on my board, so right around here. he lands I think in, I had him 26, which is funny. He lands in a system where he doesn't have to play right away, which is ideal. You can mm-hmm. nurture his, his physical tools and develop him for... I don't know. In this situation, it's got to be at least two years. Yep. Um, and, and he lands with a young coach to stick with, who's a creative offensive mind. Like loves in a good spot. It's just well, like when you factor in talent around him. Yeah, when you fa- yeah, when you factor in everything else, it's crazy. Yeah, no, I agree. It's a good landing spot for Jordan Love, and yeah, I had him twenty six. He went twenty six. So like that, that all makes sense. But and then the next two picks are really what wrecks it. It's like we talked about this before. He Lafleur lost to his old buddy Shanny, so he tried to copy him. Gets a big running back and a tight end fullback, and like they want to schematically change to more run heavy, like Shanahan, and like AJ Dillon, who I like. Like if, if the Steelers took him in the fourth round, uh, <laughs> yeah, but sure. They took him sixty second, and he doesn't add anything really on passing downs whatsoever. He's an old school like he's super athletic and has big burst for a big back, but he's he's very much Leonard Fournette. Uh, pretty much. And again, this wasn't a need for them. Like Not Jamal at Williams all. and Aaron Jones are very very confident. And they drafted duo. Dexter Williams last year, and like I think you're fine with that as your third running back. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I almost forgot about Dexter Williams. I like him, too. I mean, yeah, this pick just made no sense. I'm like, uh, yeah, like what kind of role is – like Aaron Jones a very good pass catching back, so what kind of role is A.J. Dillon playing? Like, is it not just going to be clear obvious that it's a rundown when A.J. Dillon's in? <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, and then, like, the, we talked the DeGuard pick before, too. Uh, I like the fit. It's just they shouldn't have been taking him top 100. Yeah, and is he going to be playing tight ends? Is he going to be playing, like, the fullback role that Juice Check plays? I, I Like, are they just giving up on Jay Sternberger? Like, what what's yeah. – it's going to be weird to see how that all plays out. And Deguara's a, a very nice effort blocker. I think he's an interesting fullback H-back type who does some yak damage, has underrated athleticism, but – He's I, like I, he's going to be a fan favorite in Green Bay for a long time. I like Josiah Deguara. It's just, it's just in the fifth round. He, exactly, yeah. And in the context of this entire class, like, like if they killed the first two picks and then they they, they overdrafted Deguara here, and like we saw Keen get overdrafted in the round the same range, it's like you you it would sit better with you. But, yeah. Um. Yeah. It's just the whole thing, and even the rest of the classes. Yeah. In the fifth round, they they go linebacker was a need, but they wait so long, and then they go Kamal Martin, who uh, doesn't do much for me. Like me neither. He's got he he's coming off an injury. Um, he's more of a downhill thumper. I, like I know he he, uh, he I don't know. I just don't think he's doing anything outside of special teams. Uh, and then I, I do like the Runyon Hanson Stepaniak picks just for offensive line depth. I think Runyon's a really interesting guy to develop down yeah. the line too. Like 
to get a potential like uh, down the line starting off lineman at 192, that's a good pick. Uh, and then Vernon Scott, another special teams pick, and then Jonathan Garvin. I thought that was a good, like, really good value good there. Value. Yeah, athletic upside doesn't have to play whatsoever. Um, developmental guy, but yeah, basically you added nobody who's impacting anything. No, like, outside, like outside of depth, you you only added depth players and special teams guys and developmental <laughs> guys, I guess. If if they have a role for him, uh, like Josiah Deguara. It might be the most impactful player in this class. Yeah, and if he's got like, and if he's Kyle Juszczyk, is Kyle Juszczyk worth the ninety fourth overall pick? Uh, no. <laughs> and like, like obviously Dylan will have a role, but it's not going to be a plus because, like, like we said, everything he does, um, like Aaron Jones is better. <laughs> like if AJ Dylan runs for eight hundred yards and eight touchdowns, congrats. But like, you didn't need that. Like this team's not didn't this team just didn't get better when they're coming off an NFC championship. Like this team, if gun to my head, like I'm not picking the Packers to win this division. I'm picking the Vikings. So also, they were like a bad twelve and four team. Like they didn't deserve a bye last year. I'll say that they were inconsistent. I I don't know. I'm so biased because I love Darius Smith. <laughs> Like like I I don't think they were a real twelve. Like they felt more like a ten and six team. No, they like, did. They felt like a like the the four seed in the NFC. Yeah, and obviously this year that that uh that spot's not a buy anymore, which is going to be weird. Oh, yeah, but um, like would it shock you if the Packers missed the playoffs this year? No, that's what I'm saying. Like, actually, I guess it would because there's seven teams this year. But yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good point, but. I don't know. This team's been an Aaron Rodgers injury away from being one of the weaker teams. And I know they got better last year. Obviously, like, like that team without Aaron Rodgers last year was fine. But like, And now they got Jordan Love. So maybe they sneak in. But I don't know. They're just underwhelming. Yeah, very much so. And when the Vikings are on your tail, and the Vikings, I, I gave them an A. Killed it. I also they, gave them an they A. They also drafted an entire basketball team's worth of players. <laughs> yeah. Uh they, they didn't really miss picks here, man. Can I say this? Do you know Rick Spielman has by far the most trade downs um, among NFL GMs? I didn't and like. Know no one that. talks about that. Yeah, that's interesting. He, he almost feels like he, he sneaks one of those. Um, like they have the 23rd pick and they sneak down to 30 every year. Yeah, smart man. And you're right. It's just not acknowledged. Yeah. But, yeah, they, they killed it. They had two first-round picks. Yeah. Um, they come away with Jeff, Justin Jefferson uh, to replace Stefan Diggs and Jeff Gladney to replace Xavier Rhodes. Two of my Pretty favorite perfect. players, two of your favorite players. Two they, in, they both fit Minnesota so well. Two instant impacts. Yeah, because they were purple in college. They get to keep wearing purple. Exactly. Um, like Justin Jefferson, it, the only thing there is whether he'll be a full-time slot or like seeing how him and Adam Thielen fit together, I guess. Just because Jefferson played so much slot exclusively in college, but um, he should, I think, immediately make an impact, especially with other receivers on the roster. Plus, he's wearing 18, which is crisp. Yes, and he was the best player available on the board. Oh, yes, very much so. Top 20 player. I hope he's like playing a lot of true slot and just being a mismatch in there. And then with Gladney, you get a guy who I think he probably uh, ends up there starting nickel as a rookie. Yeah. And he's wearing 20. That's another good number. Uh, not the tallest guy, but has long arms. Really physical press man guy. 
feisty as hell, has all the makeup of a Mike Zimmer corner. Yeah, it's kind of fun that... Uh, Wait, did I you give him an A? Did you say you're great? Yeah, I give him an A. Okay. Uh, it's like Mike Hughes is feisty as hell. Like to get those two together is really fun. Yeah, Mike Hughes just has to stay healthy. I know. I think it's he's gonna he's gonna. I, I think part of why I think part of why they just didn't give a shit that Trey Wayne's and Kenzie Alexander are gone is because they believe in uh, Mike Hughes. Yeah, agreed. It's. I mean, they either get these these smaller feisty guys or these big long guys, and they yeah. got another one in a bit. So. Uh, and then Ezra Cleveland in the second round, I thought that that was pretty great value when you saw where some of the other tackles went. Yeah, really great fit for their zone run scheme. Just such a good athlete who moves really well. Really natural pass protection guy. Has some length questions. Needs to play with better leverage and needs to get stronger and more physical in the run game. But I think doesn't have to play right away or could if 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 he's ready. So I think it's mm-hmm. good. The, the long-term athletic combo of uh, Ezra Cleveland and Brian O'Neill is pretty fun, though. Yes, very much so. And like like you said, both fit that zone, uh, like out, get outside in front of Dalvin Cook scheme really well. Yeah, big time. And then third round, you mentioned tall corner, Cam Dantzler. Tested so poorly, it kind of killed his stock, but really great fit as a, as a press, so cover, press cover two guy who... He, he's so wiry, but he's still so physical, so yeah, I'm excited to see how that fits. Me too. Like it, it's, it feels like the perfect home for him, to be honest. And then a whole slew of other picks. Uh, fourth round: DJ Wanham, James Lynch, and Troy Die. Wanham's not f- like I'm not big on him. Uh, I get it. I think it. Wa- Wanham might be like my least favorite pick in the class for them. Yeah, like because the other ones are like seventh rounds. Who cares? And, and like at, at one seventeen, but yeah, you you get the the upside. Yeah, athleticism. He can play special teams. I think that was part of it. Yeah. And then James Lynch, odd fit, but I'm excited to see how they use him. Maybe he's uh, a like a pass rushing interior defensive lineman for them, mm-hmm. like um, to get Michael Pierce out on passing downs, for example. So I like that a little bit. And then Troy Die, I think another guy who's going to play big time special teams and potentially yeah. compete for the Will job. Yeah, no, for sure. I like the Lynch fit. Like you said, kind of weird. I expect him to just be a instant five tech but yeah maybe kick him inside i, I kind of like the energy he brings for the vikings like front, he so. could he could even see time as just a true edge right like on rundowns yeah why not like really opposite of uh daniel hunter it's kind of a bit of a toss-up right now right yeah no for sure uh and then fifth round harrison hand and kj osborne hands another just interesting physical press guy Worth developing, and uh, Osborne, I, like really just smooth route runner, um, really good ball skills and return man upside. They uh, they did a really good job of adding uh, DB talent, and we shouldn't be surprised. I like the hand pick a lot here. Too. Like adding those three corners is just uh, just a great job. And uh, I, again, like that that secondary specifically the corner position was kind of a mess last year, and. Um, just bring in all three of these guys. I think that's home runs. And then sixth round, Blake Brandell and Josh Metellus. Brandell's n- not my cup of tea, but a swing tackle for them. And then Metellus is just a special, special teams. teams killer. Love it. I like Josh Metellus a lot. He grew on me. I, I mean, I, I liked him at Michigan but because I'm a Michigan fan, but he grew on me in the draft process. Uh, and then seventh round, four guys. Kenny Willickies, the edge from Michigan State. Nate Stanley, the quarterback from Iowa. Brian Cole, the DB from Mississippi State, and Kyle Hinton, the center from Washburn. I still think Willikies got slept on the entire draft process. I, I think he should have went higher than this. 
Yeah, no, I I agree. I thought he was a fourth round guy. Um, obviously mm-hmm. length and athleticism questions, but really good hands. Really has some bend. Like he's not super stiff or anything. I think he bends well. Yeah. Uh, I I, I could see him finding a role too, just because like you said, it's a very opposite Daniel Hunter. It's very open. Yeah, and and obviously Miller coming out of his ass. So like another guy that's just gonna be a great attitude there. Uh, Stanley, Stanley in the seventh, whatever. Yeah, and, and like he's a guy who I think developmental to replace Sean Mannion as your backup quarterback. Yeah, like I, I think like again, it's the seventh round pick, and really who cares? But I think it's a fine pick. Uh, and then Brian Cole, I like just because he's a big nickel who might even see some time at linebacker. Like I think he's an interesting yeah. fit. It's like uh, a nice project for them. And then Kyle Hinton is just good. Although they'll see him as a guard. He's a really like good mover in his own scheme and uh, develop like not like just to be Garrett Bradbury's backup. I think that was kind of the idea there. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, really like they had a couple funky ones late, but who cares? Like I think like Nate Stanley as a long term backup's not bad at all. Like potentially. No, like the, I was gonna say a lot of like the picks I don't love. Like I think are solid depth plays. Yeah, like really like in the context of the selection, Wanham's my least favorite pick, and I like I don't even hate it. Yeah, no, because you can, uh, again, I think if you're going to overdraft a guy, at least have him be able to play special teams and have athletic upside. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I can live with it. Uh, all right, too. that's it for the AFC and NFC North. Uh, join us later in the week when we hit the AFC and NFC South. Uh, so, uh, enjoy Korean uh, Korean baseball as ESPN starts broadcasting it. <laughs>